Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of being thrown out of the kingdom, out of the world, out of everywhere, just because you don't fit in. <laughs> well, that hit personally. Yeah. <clears throat> so why am I on this multi-day hike again? Mm. Welcome to Gaming on the, on the Frontier. This week we are talking about why did you take up the adventuring life anyways? It's that old phrase, I didn't choose the adventuring life. It, adventuring, adventuring life, life chose, chose me. me. <laughs> yes. Oh. Everybody always wants you to like create a backstory about why you did what you did, why you became who you were. You know, And one of the biggest problems, which is usually just hand-waved away, is why did you become an adventurer? Moving on to legal. Again, we, we just mentioned that the character is accused of a crime or, they're con and, and, uh, or they might be convicted of a crime and they have to flee the country. And, uh, and if this crime, if, if the knowledge of this crime has been uh, spread far and wide, then no other country is going to offer you shelter. You know, you're this really terrible person. We don't want you. So the life of an adventurer may be the only choice you have. You can't settle down anywhere because nobody wants you, at least once they hear the news. Yeah, they'll, or they'll, they'll actively try to drive you out. Mm -hmm. You know, you burn your crops, you know, uh, kill your cattle, burn down your farmhouse, you know, beat up your children, or worse. So, you know, we, how, how many revenge movies have there been because yeah. somebody has basically killed every, their, someone's entire family and all that is left and they basically just take their reach up, take the uh, 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 the, the, the Colt 45 that was hanging on the wall this time or the big rifle you know, and open the door and walk out. It's payback time. No, 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 no. That one line from the surprise hit John Wick. Yeah, I think I'm back. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think I'm back. Yeah. Wait a minute, what'd you do? You working, you... John? No, I just working through some things. Yeah. <laughs> Her noise complaint there, John. Yeah. <laughs> what did he do? He killed John Wick's dog. dog oh yeah. no. No, there was memes coming around during Endgame and Infinity War, and you see Thanos do the snap. And this dog disappear, and then all of a sudden, John Wick walks up by. Hey, anybody see my dog? And Thanos <laughs> just all of a sudden has this look on his face, like, "Oh crap!" Yeah. Yep. 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 Another possibility is that there's someone else who is the perpetrator of a crime, who has escaped justice and has fled the country, and you know you're you you're a injured party in that particular thing. So you are going to follow them to the ends of the earth 
to make sure that your 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 people get justice and you become an adventurer just as they become an adventurer just to try to track them down sort of uh, like a self um self-entitled bounty hunter in a way you're just like yeah, yeah you, you are a bounty hunter yeah, yeah. right you self self-funding yeah. bounty hunter yeah he says you know my uh, uh, bart's identical brother you know and i'm riding on a horse named vengeance <laughs> no what was the it's from nights to the dinner table and i'm screwing it up i know so i was reminded of um uh from mass effect 2 one of the the npc companions you can get is uh, uh samara i believe is the name and she's a just a car which is like their highest ranked like judge dread type uh characters yeah. in their society and she's hunting down uh you know this dangerous uh, asari that you know has a mutation that causes her to kill any any being she you know mind melds with yeah and and you know and who's escaped justice and so she's hunting her down across the galaxy and when just to twist the knife a little bit it's her own daughter oh uh, by the way, folks, please refer to our, you know, adding Fringeworthy to Mass Effect episode for more information on this. Yes. Um, no, no, that, that, yeah, that, that, and often that little plot twist comes out later on. Okay, you've got her. Why can't you kill her? She's my daughter. And this was need to know basis now and so way back when. Yeah. And I think I give credit if I, if my memory is correct, they didn't do that with Mass Effect 2. They kind of, she just pretty much up as upfront about it. I'm hunting down my daughter. She's got this mutation. <laughs> she, she, she's a dangerous, she's a dangerous individual who's killed lots of people and doesn't seem to care. <laughs> she had the chance to go into a convent. She decided not to. So I'm going to go hunt her down and kill her because she's my daughter. Oh, 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 oh okay. Wait, whoa, wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> well, the, and it fit and, that character. And, and that there's was a Shepard very... going, yeah, and there's <laughs> Shepard going, okay, this got weird quickly. Yeah. Well, but it fit that character. She was very straightforward, you know, by the book kind of character so it, it actually made sense in that and i was glad that they didn't you know gloss over it and say yeah, no that, i'm still doing my job uh, yeah, yeah doing my job despite this being my blood kin yeah, yeah. Uh. all right well, i'm glad you mentioned judge dread because uh one of the uh one of the examples about what we're talking about is the long walk I'm hearing nothing, so I assume you don't know what that is. That sounds like that sounds like me in the warehouse when I forget a part and I got to go across the warehouse back to get the. Part yeah, I mean, I order. recognize the the name, but I forget forgetting the details. When a judge basically gets to the end of their career, you know, for whatever reason, whether they're too old or they're injured or something happens that causes them to, you know, they 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 make a mistake. You know, and they should be punished, put in uh, uh, in jail forever or whatever. Uh, instead, they can choose to take the long walk, and that is to the these mega cities or these giant walled cities that are surrounded by irradiated, mutated wastelands of people that do terrible things to each other on a daily basis, and so. Uh, they, and they follow, you know, a book of laws, which is called the law, you know, and they will take the law to the unlawed. And so they basically, you know, they show this 
great scene where they're all dressed, you know, with their weapon be, covered with weapons, and the door opens. And they walk out into the wasteland to, you know, to live out their lives, however short or long it might be, uh, basically bringing law to the lawless. And usually, it amounts to basically killing people who are currently preying on somebody else. You know, yeah, it's, because it's quite possible that the people they're preying on are were preying on them last week. Mm, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, it's kind of like you know he's using the same law of justice that worked in the city out there in the lawlessness. So that's kind of like what we're talking about: is following a perpetrator of a crime to get justice that cannot be gotten in the current country, the wasteland. You know, is 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 that country and. Nobody can get justice. You know, all you can get is vengeance in the wasteland. And so they bring justice. Uh, anyway, so, so that is a, uh, that, that is a, a, uh, an adventuring, you know, because you're traveling and never putting down roots and following up on clues and things like that. But uh, so, yeah, the, the Judge Dredd long walk, I think, is a good example of somebody who has chosen the adventuring life because of legal reasons. So, um, and then, uh, of course, you, you know, uh, you know, you, in the first case, they were accused of a crime and, and were convicted and they flee the country rather than, than face the consequences. There's the other one where they basically, their, their consequences is that they've been marked as a pariah by the country themselves. And therefore, they they have to flee or go into the adventuring life because there's literally no other job for them. Nobody else, nobody will hire them. Nobody will work with them. They they literally have to create a new identity, uh, you know, and uh, go out there and live in the in the wastelands, you know, uh, however uh, pretty it might be. It also makes me think of Logan's Run. Oh yeah, uh, uh, explain that to me. Well, because, you know, he, you know, Logan's run, if you're not familiar, the whole premise is this is a society where once you reach a certain age, which I think is like mid thirties. It is, it is 30 in the movie. It was 21 in the books. Oh, jeez. Okay. So yeah, once you reach, you know, of a, an appropriate age, you're pretty much put to death and not everybody wants to die at the age of 30 so some people run and you know logan in this particular the main character is a i can't remember the exact title or sand sleep sandman sandman? Sandman. sandman sandman yeah they they find these runners and they put them down and in an attempt to try and at least in the movie in an attempt to try and find this like nest of like people trying to support runners um the the big friendly computer um Pretty much takes away his his remaining time and and effectively makes him a tw- you know twenty nine year old and he ends up becoming a runner himself and there's a way it gets weirder after that oh but no yeah. they yeah they um I remember the movie where it's and I also here's the thing I also remember the TV series with Gregory Harrison who played um in Trapper John M D right and Heather Menzies yeah but basically they. You know, Logan and the woman, I forget who she is. Jessica. Yeah, they find the old Capitol building, and there's Peter Ustinov, like 90 years old, and I love it how she's looking at this old man's face and going, 
don't these lines hurt? <laughs> Something cracks in your face hurts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I think in the series, I think they had an android with them too, and I forget the, who played it, but there was Gregory Harrison as Logan, then the woman, then this android. Yeah, and they just yeah. Heather Menzies played Jessica. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, that, that way back machine there, Mister Peabody. Thanks a lot. Wow. <laughs> And it was Michael York who played the original Logan. Yeah. And Jessica was played by Jenny Aguter. Oh, okay. From, uh, famous for some people from uh, uh, An American Werewolf in London. Okay. Okay. That name did sound familiar. Okay. Yeah. You you were very, very much you know, having to flee. You know, you're, you're <laughs> there was no place for you in that society once you're... Uh, your life crystal in your hand started blinking. Yeah, yeah. It started. It started off white, and when it got turned black and started blinking, you either went to Carousel to be reborn, or you were hunted down and you know slain uh, by the Sandmen, uh, and therefore would never be reborn. They they considered their job to be a very. Uh, even though they were treated very well, you know they were they they saw, they saw it as, as as a terrible thing, and that these people were lying to other people about the possibility of some life outside just made made these other people believe in this falsehood and keep them from being reborn as well. So it was almost religious. Okay, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm starting to see some par some some parallels, some patterns. You know, that's kind of wired. Why am I having this deep down gut feeling that Logan's Run was a a a influence on everybody's favorite game, where the computer is your friend? Paranoia. Oh, absolutely. It certainly should have been. Okay, good. It's if not it wasn't, then. Yeah, it should have been if it wasn't. Somebody dropped the ball, yeah. Everybody you know who lives in SSI are all clones, and everybody in Logan's run is a clone. Logan was like Logan 5. Okay. Yeah, and Jessica 6, you know, so... they And, and, and at the very beginning of the movie, he actually goes and sees Logan 6, who's just been born. He's going to... Replace him someday down the line, but, yeah. But he, yeah, but he's he's like I say, he was uh, you know, he he was like since it went to 30, he was in his 20s, so therefore that's 20 years, he's like 20 years behind, so yeah. Want to make sure there's always going to be a Logan, so you can be basically uh, uh, an anathema to your own culture and and then forced to run. You know, we, we had that socially where you were basically, there was something about you that repulsed everybody, either your race or something like some malformation of your face or something like that. Okay, here we have where literally no, you're, you're infamous, and so nobody wants anything to do with you. And, uh, you know, literally if they know who you are, if you if you gave something to them, they'll you know throw it in the fire. They'll spit on the ground. You know, the only reason you got any kindness at all was because they didn't really they didn't know who you really were because you were under a false identity. You're very you were just a stranger. Your very existence is bad juju. Yeah. yeah, right. Sometimes a character is you know the the economic reasons. You know, a character is poor, and 
the only, you know, uh, and therefore there is no avenue for rising except adventuring. You know, becoming a merchant, by the way, historically was always one of the best, two ways, becoming a merchant or the military were the two, well, I mean, possibly even a priest, the priesthood, were the ways of raising your social rank. Uh, because otherwise you, you were stuck, you know, with where you were. If you were a peasant, you were the son of peasants. You're all, your sons and daughters were going to be peasants. Uh, and that's just what it was. And you would, you know, you'd have to break from that, you know. Yeah. I mean, of course, historically, you know, in a lot of cultures, you had to get permission from your Lord to even leave the plot of land that you had been assigned to, your family had been assigned to. So, yeah. You know, uh, sometimes this was like, you know, before the you become of age, you have to, you would have to escape and, and run, you know, as, as uh, practically as a child, run off into, you know, either into the city where you'd live as a beggar uh, and possibly a thief, uh, or you'd run off into the countryside and make, you know, live as a wild person, you know, uh, itinerant laborer and such, you know, uh, someplace where uh, they, 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 the structural, you know, like uh, serf and lord kind of thing wasn't as strong. Uh, you know, if you went into things like the priesthood or or uh, or the military, then you had a more con concise path that you'd be able to. You knew how you could earn your way up. Right. Yeah. 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 Usually, usually uh, a great risk to yourself. But you know, well, yeah. I uh, mean, if you were in the in the 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 religious bed, I mean, yeah. If you do good enough, oh, okay, we need you to cover all of these dioceses because we see you administer so well. You've given, you know, you found your calling. Yeah, you get to come back to the city and run, you know, four or five dioceses, including your old one. We'll put somebody new in your spot. Yeah. But yeah, military. It's like you've killed a great number of people and saved your friends. Here, here's some more ribbons. Yeah, and just yeah, it it you could get promoted through both. I mean, the military obviously would be far more dangerous. I mean, there would still be some danger in the religious again. You know, trying to convert natives who basically it's like no, we're we're fine worshiping the sun. Yes, but you should worship our god. Yeah, but you see, the sun's real. We can see it, and. You often have to go out running, you know, holding your robes up to make sure you don't trip over. You know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyways, yeah. So, if you're poor and those other options are not available to you, or you just don't like them, either a you don't you're not a believer of the of the religion du jour, you know, or if you don't, you know, uh, you know. You don't like the way the military treats its people, like you know. Right. Yeah. I, I think the way the Russian military treats its conscripts is abominable, um, which is one of the reasons why they they surrender, even surrendering as quickly as possible whenever they're sent off into uh, uh, non-Russian territories. Uh, so you may end up having to literally just run off into the wild, you know, uh, sign on uh, onto a ship as a uh, as just a deckhand. Yeah, um, that's actually one of the best ways because it 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 gets you to you know basically to another uh, uh, another country safely. Yeah, 
you know, and uh, just depending upon how you sign, how you sign on and such, you know, because sometimes, you know, they, they, uh, when you sign on, you have to sign on for a period of time. And that means you have to, you know, go overboard uh, once you get to the other side so that you, you know, in order to escape and continue on. And uh, the, the, the guy who has the ship, you know, the captain could just go to the local magistrate and say, these people have uh, broken their contract and they're therefore, you know, uh, criminals. And here's the money. Uh, please, you know, find these criminals. And So basically you're fleeing from one one thing to another, just basically trying to keep one step out of the law. And oh, by the way, I might throw some adventuring too. Yeah. yeah, well, you you know, ultimately you become an adventurer because that's the way of, of earning a living. You know, yeah. it's it's, uh, and you know you, and this is of course always assuming that you have the con, uh, not the constitution, uh, the the um, uh, you know you you like the idea of becoming an adventurer. You know, usually, yeah, you know, there's something about it that appeals to you because. Otherwise, you're as soon as you get to a position where you don't have to be an adventurer, you're going to settle down and stop. Yeah. You know, so, and, and and that's okay too. You know, all you know, adventures do usually st stop, marry, have kids, settle down. It's not that uncommon. No, 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 no. We have to do the phrase. I was an adventurer once, but then I took an arrow to the knee. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. The other, which is less likely, but ha does happen, uh, is where the character is rich. Uh, a, uh, a relative dies and gives all of their treasure and lands and stuff to the, uh, to the person, okay? And you and, and the, lo the, the local rulers say, oh, yeah, you know, debt taxes, all this stuff like that. They want to basically take the majority of your property because of this. And you like, ah, no, I don't think so. So, uh, especially if it's portable and you grab it up and go, and this works real, this is, I think, really important for things like D and D because yeah. as we know, your average adventuring party has in gold, gold piece worth of the items that are on their person and in their backpacks or portable holes or whatever worth more than a small country. In, in first, especially first edition, the sale value of like magic swords and other things like that. I mean, we're talking, you know, like a, a wand, ten thousand yeah. to twenty thousand gold pieces for a wand. Okay, yeah. that I mean, you're not you're not adventuring. You're on the run fighting to make sure no one steals your stuff. Yeah, right. Or taxes you for it. It's like okay, well, you owe you know a hundred thousand in taxes. I don't have a hundred thousand. Well, I guess we're you're going to have to work it off. I think this also works really well um, if the the majority of your inheritance is like a powerful ship for either like a, a, a pirate, you know, sailing the seas game, or even a space game. You know, it's it's portable and it is probably very wealthy if it's like, you know, super high tech or alien tech or whatever. Any any spaceship, you know, any starship is is a fortune just sitting there. Well, yeah, like the 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 um, fluff text in FTL twenty four forty eight. Ben Bell's and Quag, you know, he won it in a poker game, and yeah, it, it it was just sitting there, and yeah, they had to keep you know the upkeep on it and everything, but still. It could earn its wealth back just with one good cargo run. 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah, no, having a starship, yeah, that's actually, even a beat-up one is still quite a nice chunk of change that you now have at your disposal. Right, because unlike everything else on a planet, a starship, uh, outside of metal fatigue, uh, never it doesn't rust, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, doesn't really age, so, you know, a ship that's 100 years old could still be very serviceable. Yeah, because that... Uh, that is something that just now hit me, the fact that, yeah, you know, the ship is, oh, wait a minute, there's no rust in space. There's no oxygen to oxidize. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm almost 55 years old, folks, and that just hit me now like a brick bat between the eyes. I'm slipping. <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I could, you know, once again, give something, have you learn something. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> I think, I think they're, they're, you know, is some form of you know degrad you know decay that can occur, but it's like nothing like what you'd find in an atmosphere. It would take like thousands of years. It, it would be like something like oh, it was sitting there and micrometeorites, you know, scuffed it a little, and you know, or yeah, or again, metal fatigue. We're just after a while stress on, but well, even then, you might not have stress because there's no gravity. Right. Metal, well, there's yeah. you know, if you have cargo, it may you know the ship may not be one hundred percent balanced. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and there's there, also uh, like metal cold welding, you know, metals tend to just naturally weld together in a cold vacuum. Well, that would okay. be a good thing, you'd think. Depends on the right part. Yeah. Yeah. If it's yeah. a if it's a part that's a, supposed to move, <laughs> it's not so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There, there's a problem. There ain't no WD-40 enough to undo that. No, no. That's one of the big questions about all space uh, flights. Like, what are they using for lubricants in zero G? Okay, you know, which, of course, we can point you at uh, some of the Tamellarin uh, artifacts, where yeah. the uh, colder they got, the more the more liquidy they got. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That brings us to our final category, which is, a, again, kind of the most fun category, because, you know, all these other ones, you know, I mean, you know, like I said, they're, 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 they're kind of dry, but, you know, you, you can see where... If you've re if you are like us, very well read and stuff like that, so many stories have been based on each of these things we just mentioned. Okay, but the last one is the MacGuffin, where you know, and this is where basically Jonathan, you you mentioned where suddenly you know you uh you know, it's an Isekai and you you wake up you know in the land. Well, actually, you just wake up one day and you're like on another world in another land or whatever and you have this burning desire to do something that's probably going to get you killed <laughs> yeah this is the the sudden like what? what okay i'm doing what now okay i'm off to I, do it. I, I think also this is one that would fit under the creation of my dear friend and former dimension music artist robert t balder earth world where he is a modern-day guy, he is into fantasy role-playing, and now he is in a fantasy world. And so he's bringing all of that type of knowledge to this world, which to him now is real, he's there, and it's like, oh, you must be a great strategist. No, I'm, I'm a tabletop gamer. Wait, I, no, no, I am a great strategist, really. No, let's go on this quest. Yeah, I think this his work, Earthworld, would probably fall into the... I don't know what happened. I just woke up on this spaceship type thing. Accidental. I forget exactly how the character got there. And it's been a while since I've talked to Rob. But yeah, no, I think that would fit definitely into that little that niche there. Yeah. The whole Blade series of novels, which is uh, 
you know, men's fiction, you know, men's adventure books about this guy who's basically James Bond, you know, uh, and, but uh, uh, this crazy uh, Lord something or other wires him up to a computer and uh, throws a switch and, and his mind and body basically transfer to an alternate dimension and he arrives somewhat burned uh, because of the electrical contacts and uh, naked and <laughs> and in in some world that has he doesn't know what's going on with it. The only thing he has really, I think, is the ability he knows the local language, but that's about it. And uh, he you know, and there's a I think there's a total of forty books. You know, each one. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, he, uh, uh, in a lot of them, he basically uses his, his lovemaking skills to influence the, uh, the leaders oh, okay. and, uh, and, and, and those who won't listen to that or, you know, uh, the, he'll get his hands on a big sword or, uh, a, a, a laser weapon or something like that, depending upon the tech level and use it to find effect because, you know, he's, you know, a product of good English upbringing. So of course he understands things like historical battles and stuff like that. He knows tactics. Um, and he's a great leader of men, you know? Um, so he's, so as I say, he's basically James Bond <laughs> in, you know, in, in, uh, uh, sword and sorcery fantasy land. Okay. If James Bond got isekai Yeah. He basically gets isekai you know, what's a book. <laughs> because it's, it, uh, what happens is as soon as he disappears then the um you know the the lord uh is busy trying to get the computer to figure out where he went and bring him back so by the end of the the story he basically starts feeling this weird sensation and he knows that that they're trying to get him back and usually he tries to you know not be in the middle of a battle with someone trying to stab him and suddenly he can't move his arms and legs because, you know, he's, he's kind of froze, you know, because he's in the middle of transferring, you know, so. Anyways, it's a, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it was a fun series, you know, like I said, it's, uh, but uh, you definitely have to, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's somewhat misogynistic. It's a product of its time, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah, it's somewhat misogynistic, just like James Bond. Uh, and uh, though there's many, many times when women are in power and uh, use their power. Uh, so, you know, and uh, and so forth. But, uh, and, and it's, and he, they were pretty good at coming up with new and different civilizations each time. So that was a lot of work by the writers to do that. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I got I got to give him props for that. So and of course, uh, as this was before I ever heard of Fringeworthy or anything like that, it was great adventure reading. Okay. So, but again, that's like I don't know what happened. I just woke up on this starship spaceship. I just I w woke up, you know, on you know in this uh, in this river. I woke up with this monster trying to eat me. You know. <laughs> Classic. I didn't go looking for adventure. Adventure definitely found went and found me. Yeah, yeah. The the I think the very first book he he basically wakes up. Some woman, buxom woman, comes riding by, looks at him, and then rides on. He stands up, and then the people that are chasing her 
tries to attack him. He takes them down. They, the, the rest of them capture him, and then it moves on from there. But he's already he's been introduced to the 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 the, the quest object, the girl who was escaping, and he he now has to 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 gain the trust and or uh, his freedom from the the people who just captured him, and figure out what's going on in this kingdom. Uh, the other things are where, uh, let's say, the MacGuffin is like, okay, you know, here's this quest item. You have to find out what it's for. The Beast with the Glass Hand, uh, uh, the, the Outer Limits story. Uh, this guy wakes up, he has a glass hand, he doesn't know why, you know, and people are trying to attack other people all around him. He doesn't know what's going on. It's a Harlan Ellison story. Okay. And, and it turns out finally at the end that he learns that uh, you know, uh, you know, fifty-year-old uh, uh, spoilers here, folks. Uh, that uh, at one point he dies, but uh, the the hand talks and t uh, uh, tells this person to go and do certain things, and all of a sudden he wakes up. It turns out he's an android, and in his core is a digital recording of everybody before the aliens arrived. So that when the aliens finally get destroyed, human race will be able to be reconstructed from what the, the what's inside this guy. Oh, okay. So that was he's the, he's the the beast with the, uh, you know, with the glass hand. So, anyways, so he's got the MacGuffin. Okay, or again, uh, Eric with Stormbringer. Yeah. You know, that drives a lot of stuff. You know, turns out the Stormbringer is a dragon. In case you didn't know that. There's tons of these things. I'm just uh, I I can't think off the top of my head. You know which you know items. Uh, well, the the uh, in D and D the um, rod of the like seven parts, and you find one piece of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And it lets you know. It gives you a general direction where the next piece is, the next closest piece is. So you go in that direction. So you essentially creates the quest right there. The Frodo, the ring. Yeah. Here's the quest item. Take it. Throw it in the Mount Doom. Right. So, yeah, there's uh, you. the character has been given a quest or a quest item or the need for a particular quest item, because they might say, if you go, you know, beyond the mountains, you know, in the burning plains to the white, to the, you know, to the white cliffs, you know, you will find what you're looking for. And that was basically the premise for uh, uh, the end of uh, the Planet of the Apes. He basically runs off into the Forbidden Lands. Damn dirty apes blew us all to hell. Yeah. Now we blew ourselves to, to all to hell, and and, and it's the uh, the damn dirty apes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The the ironic thing is is that in the original story that this is based on the the French the French novel, you know he yeah. goes he takes takes a ship and he goes to the. Uh, to the world, and of course, it's populated by apes. Okay, and they have all their encounters and such. And at the very end, he escapes back to his ship and goes back to Earth. And when he and he lands on Earth, uh, a jeep pulls up, and apes in uniform get out of the jeep. Oh, kind of like the Mark Wahlberg version of Planet of the Apes with Tim Burton. Yeah, I remember seeing that. In the I get. I guess so. Yeah, I've seen it. I forgot in the end. Yeah, so basically, you know, everybody, uh, uh, humanity always turns into a Planet of the Apes planet, apparently. 
you know, it's just we're going to blow ourselves up, and, and they're going they're going to replace us. So yeah. Anyways, it's uh, I I haven't seen all of the new version uh, of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, with like Andy Serkis and Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I haven't seen those. Guys. I haven't. I've seen like two of them, but not all of it. So I really want to do that because I I really. You know, as much as people made fun of it, I really did like the original uh, Planet of the Apes because they were very cre creative each time. I remember the series. Hell, I had the action figures as a kid. I had the 11-inch tall Dr. Zaius figure when I was like eight or something. Oh, no, I remember that series, yeah. And Cornelius and, Z and, and, Zira, and Zira. The two guys, the two human astronauts, I forget their names, yeah. And General, the the the, the, the gorilla, General yeah. something. Oh, I yeah, remember his name. on the name, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. And then the other option is, like I said, it's kind of like the, the quest item, which is one of the, uh, the, the character is sick, you know, or has a sick relative that needs an obscure cure that requires adventuring to get to where the cure is. Why am I reminded of the Sean Connery, Lorraine Bracco movie, Medicine Man? It just happened to go and you find this. I mean, he was a, he was a cancer researcher. We're talking about the bloody plague of the 20th century. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and of course, he, you know, the, the cure is basically... Uh, this this uh, flower, uh, yeah. Spiders. It was spiders oh, I it was the that were... No, no, it was spiders that were inside of these flowers, these clippings, whatever, and, he, and they brush it off the table into like a bucket. And then when he, he takes it and, and, and looks at a sample, he sees, you know, that, that's been... Oh, it was ants, not spiders. It was ants, I remember, because he... Ants, right. It's, it, it's, it's the cure for cancer, and he doesn't know how he got it, and he doesn't know how to recreate it. You know, all he knows is that he has it right here. That was like one of my mom's favorite movies. I remember her in her room at my old place and her old place of Wade. She had the movie poster up on her wall. I'm like, looking at my mom like, I never took you for a movie, Papa. Well, you know, it's John Connery, dear. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean Connery. It's uh we uh he's he's he has a he has a a little shrine in a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. <laughs> well it's funny well it, it's funny. My mom liked Sean Connery because of Medicine Man, my dad liked Sean Connery because of Bond and uh LXG. And I'm just like Oh, I see why you two got together. You're probably together watching Bond movies. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, I'm not really that familiar with people that have, you know, these kinds of um, uh, debilitating diseases that they think that there might be some place far away that might have it. But, you know, but leprosy is probably one of the best examples of yeah. that. Oh, heck, that was the theme of uh, Doctor Strange, you know, the, the MCU movie, because he was looking for a way to get his hands back, and he went to... um. What's the plate? Uh, Comartage. Yeah. So that technically that was yeah. a quest. It was a MacGuffin. Yeah. You're right. You're right. He was. That's exactly what he was doing. So in a, in a sense, he did become an adventurer. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know how he earned his living once he ran out of money. Because he basically, you know, he basically just ran out of money try, going after a, any possible answer. He's trying to find, yeah, one after another. Yeah, and the trip to Nepal was like his last hope. After that, he had nothing, and, then... and that's why he was so desperate to to to, to be listened to and, and to be taken seriously. And of course, the funny thing is, is that the um, the old one, the elder, whatever she was called, 
the ancient, the ancient one, one knew yeah. everything about him. It was just the whole thing of their their, their meeting was all set up. It was all basically yeah. to put him in his place so he could he could become a good student and he immediately becomes a bad student. Of course, because which is a funny part of the movie because he's like using the the little portals to steal books. <laughs> oh, man, I love that whole thing where every time Wong turns around, okay, there's something here, and then he sees it last one. It's like Gah! he becomes a bad student, but that's exactly the kind of student he needed to be. Apparently, okay. So anyway, so yeah, that's a good example. Thank you for thinking of that. But I mean, I know in, in in fantasy literature, there's things like you know, the, your sister is is laying you know uh, laying in a hospital bed or in, in, back in the keep, and she's just laying there in a coma. And you know, if you can just find the the flowers of the lotus, you'll be able to break her out of her her madness or whatever. You know, so you're um, you're traveling like crazy. You know, um, the the whole uh, Iliad uh, was not a um, uh, uh, an adventuring quest. It was a military operation, but coming back, it turned into an adventure. You know, the Odyssey. You know, his this journey became an adventuring quest because of some of the decisions that he made, and of course the fact that once he got to the island of Circe, he fell in love with Circe and kind of forgot about going home. Yeah, he he, he kind of took a little little side trip and. Yeah, he spent a long time on that island. <laughs> a long time. Yeah, yeah. And finally, at the end of it, he basically wakes up because it's the island where all the poppy, you know, the the flowers of forgetfulness lit were, and uh, goes around and literally wakes up all of his crew members and throws them back on the boat and pushes off. You know, and, and from that point, it's a short trip back to Greece. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you look at the, at the route, it's like we go here, on the side of Greece, we go a short distance to this island, we hang there for a bunch of years, and then we finish the trip. <laughs> so, with a couple stops for the like the cave of the Cyclops and other things like that, you know. So, yeah, I don't know what's the one meme. It's like, um, over Odysseus. Wait a minute, what are we doing? It's called the Odyssey. Why do you call it the Odyssey? Well, it's named after the only survivor. Okay, this guy, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I believe there was a big storm that knocked them <laughs> off their path. So that's and that and it took them a yeah. little while to figure out how to get back to where they needed to be. But anyways, uh but yeah, so essentially uh the uh and 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 his poor wife is is trying to keep off suitors who want to m marry her. Yeah, yeah. And have children with her. So uh and she's trying to say, no, my husband's still alive. Or finally he says, okay, my husband's dead, but I have to finish this one thing in honor of him. And every night she's unraveling what she did in the previous day. So we were like, how's this not it? You know, I just I, I just can't seem to make any headway. I don't, I don't know, know what, what it is. is. The gods yeah. must be against this idea. Are you sure you ha you made enough sacrifices at the local temple? So on and so forth. So, yeah. Anyways. All right, so uh, I'm kind of out. That was that was kind of it for me. Uh, the, you know, the, the MacGuffin idea is that there's some. It's usually an external thing where something is forcing you into the adventuring life, you know, and it usually is related to some item or some obvious quest that you have to do. It it is not. Yeah, it is not due to something that 
your people or quote unquote mankind or whatever is doing. It is. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your background. Right. Yeah. Your, your yeah. sociology, your economics, your political, it's literally just race, class, whatever. Yeah. No, no. The alien spaceship dropped out of the sky and, you know, and uh, smashed and flying out of the wreckage was this one thing which, of course, is the most valuable thing in the universe, and everybody in the universe is going to be coming after it, and you were stupid enough to pick it up and wear it as a hat. It is the super suit. And now you are the winner-take-all prize. And yep. now you are the, the Wonder Man, and every time you fly around, you get ready or not, believe it, I'm walking on air. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Greatest American hero. Oh, now the song. Yep, okay. Thanks for that earworm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Do I, do I hear hands ringing down there from Alabama? And, uh, that evil type Excellent. of hand ringing. Yeah. Smithers released the house. Oh, yes, Mr. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> See, these, these are all the different reasons we came up with for why someone would become an adventurer rather than following so many of the more mundane careers traditional careers yeah. you know uh yeah. socially accepted uh, uh careers if you want to play that that kind of a character then uh we hope that you'll use this list that we came up with and uh you know, work work the hell out of it uh we think it's one of the 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 best ways of of, of defining your character and and like i said it, the gms should always go and look at these character backgrounds and uh, make changes to their game world to make sure that uh, the they make sense in the game world and B, that they're going to be able to tap into these character backgrounds because, it's, well, you know, adventures that that uh, are linked to these to character backgrounds always resonate much stronger with the players. They'll have a better time. They'll be more motivated. That's why you play role-playing games rather than just playing a video game all by yourself. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us. We will have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.